Want a clear idea of the divide emerging between the US and Europe? Well, today could be the day we get the data to support that notion. It's PMI's day. So just how much better is the US faring? And how is the China slowdown impacting Germany? Speaking of China, could the central bank be preparing to ease policy when others are looking at tightening? And Jerome Powell in the Fed top job for another term. And Australian borders ready to open. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of November, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. By the way, if you trade with NAB Trade today, it's the annual charity trading day and 100% of the day's brokerage is going to go to charity. This year, it's all going to UNICEF's Give the World a Shot campaign, which is delivering COVID-19 vaccines to those who need it most around the world, as well as the ASX Refinitiv Foundation. So please trade through NAB Trade today to help NAB Trade support those charities. Obviously, yeah, the more you trade, the more they get. Now, yesterday, we told you how on Friday, you equities the nasdaq was up the s&p and the dow were down today the reverse is the case with the nasdaq losing 0.4 percent the dow is up 0.6 percent on friday bond yields were falling today they are in sharp reverse on that 10-year treasury yields up seven basis points up five in the uk france and much of southern europe as well uh, up four basis points for 10-year bonds and oil that was falling at the end of the week is rising again 0.8 percent for wti and brent comics gold is down 2.4 percent this morning but the us dollar continues to rise it's up another 0.5 percent today on the dxy it's up three quarters of a percent on the japanese yen against that the aussie dollar hasn't done Done too badly. It's falling less than 0.1%. It's holding its own, uh, whereas the euro is down 0.4%, hitting a 16-month low. The pound also losing 0.4%. The Kiwi dollar is losing 0.7% this morning. So there's a clear reason behind this uh, this rise in bond yields. Here's Ray Atrell from NAB in Sydney. Jerome Powell staying on for a second term in charge of the Fed. That's what's done it with Lael Brainard as the, as the, as the deputy. Yes, good morning, Phil. And uh, no great surprise, although certainly, you know, um, it was probably seen as sort of 60-40 or 70-30 as to whether he would get the nod over uh, Lael Brainard. And and, and part of the reason for that was uh, simply that, um, you know, Powell is a Republican and and Brainard is a Democrat, the only Democrat on the the Board of Governors. So that's one of the reasons that uh, the market wasn't willing to dismiss out of hand the likelihood of Powell getting a a second term. But, um, But very interesting that, you know, the market reaction has been quite strong, which does tell you something about how the market was positioning and thinking about the uh, the risk that uh, that Lael Brainard would indeed get the nod, and rightly or wrongly, I would argue wrongly, <laughs> the view was that uh, that a Brainard-led Fed would be more dovish uh, than a Powell-led Fed, or as we would say that in both cases they're effectively mandate constrained, and it wouldn't make a heap, a heap of difference. But um, the bond markets obviously thought otherwise, and if you look at um, two-year and ten-year U.S. Treasury yields, they're up between six and seven basis points this morning. So um, quite a strong reaction. And in fact, the money market is now, um, I think it's about halfway between pricing two and three uh, quarter point Fed rate rises uh, next week, whereas in the middle of last week, um, there was uh, no more than two hikes priced in, although we should remember that that's also to do, um, as you were talking about yesterday, you know, a couple of Fed officials, um, one of which incidentally, Rich Clarida is, uh, is going to lose his job next year, um, suggesting that uh, a discussion of accelerating the pace of QE tapering um, 
which should take place at the December meeting. So we've seen markets move higher on that. But we've but, got um, two people in the most, t- we've got two people in the top jobs there, Powell and Bernard, who would who'd both be saying, "I would have thought that three moves next year would be too quick," and yet here's the market expectation that that is what's going to happen. Well, that's been the case uh, throughout, hasn't it? And uh, you know, mm. the compare and contrast with uh, with Australia, where the market has still got the best part of a hundred basis points of tightening, where um, you know. B- b- um, RBA Governor Lowe is telling you that uh, it's extremely unlikely that we're going to do anything next year and that 2023 is currently only a possibility. So um, there is no accounting yeah. for taste in terms of uh, what markets uh, what markets uh, think rather than what central bankers say, at least. And, and, you're, probably, and you're right. I don't think that either Powell or Brainard um, would be in the sort of, you know, even one, let alone two dots as far as uh, 2022 Fed policy is concerned. But obviously um, mm. you know we are expecting a shift in those in that dot plot when we come to the December meeting but um, whether that will include yeah. um, Mrs Powell and um, and uh, and Brainard we, we await developments with interest and equities, say, equities but, jumping back I guess that is just because of this uh, you know this this hope that the economy in in the US is bouncing back quicker than anywhere else so if you're going to buy uh, equities if you're not really quite sure what else to do buy equities buy them in the United States uh, we're seeing uh, you know stocks are up stay at homes aren't doing so well bank doing okay so is it is it as simple as that and isn't it i mean is always that question isn't it if that's what's driving it isn't there a danger that it's just going to be running too hot well that's the danger and obviously you know economic news continues to go from strength to strength in the u.s yeah. in sharp contrast to europe so you know there's two examples of that we had existing home sales in the u.s um, last night stronger than expected at 6.34 million that's a new nine-month high in, in, interestingly cash buyers now 24 percent. so you know all those um, pandemic windows Falls, people are going out and buying houses with them, it seems, or, or less dependent on mortgages. And in contrast, you know, Eurozone consumer confidence uh, fell and by more than expected. So this contrast between um, the US and Europe is becoming sort of ever more stark. And I think that's uh, that's one factor at least. But, um, but obviously the rise in bond yields, um, you know, impacting the, the NASDAQ negatively, um, but not uh, phasing the S&P at least. But also the I think the Eurozone lockdowns, you know, given how many of the, the big tech companies Companies' sales are into Europe. Then um, you know lockdowns equals you know favouring stay-at-home stocks to some extent. So, uh, so there's a few sort of overs and unders playing out yeah. there at least. But yes, I guess the important point is that the prospect of uh, faster Fed tightening next year is, is not phasing the uh, the stock market at this fa- at this stage. Uh, and while the income economic data remains as strong as it is, then um, that's probably going to remain the case. Worth keeping an eye on those COVID numbers, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, I mean, it's it's clear. If you look at Austria and Germany, you just see this big rise in the number of infections, but also, the uh, sadly, the number of fatalities. In the US, we're seeing a big rise in infections in some places, like uh, Minnesota, for example, in Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, the, the Rust Belt states largely, uh, but also New York. But the, the death rate isn't going up. In fact, it's slowing in a, in a lot of those cases. So... Vaccinations work. If you don't have the vaccine, it doesn't work. Uh, that seems to be the the very simple message, doesn't it? Which is, you know, easy to analyse. No, absolutely. And, and obviously the debate has moved on to... Um, um you know the, the the rate at which uh, booster shots are, are taking place, and I think that's also yeah. one of the issues. Looking across, you know, particularly what's happening in, in Northern Europe, at least that um, you know those that are you know sort of six months on from their second shot, 
Um, so so the, you know, the number of, of, of vaccinated people who are getting COVID um, is, is alarmingly high. But um, when you break mm. that down a little bit in terms of whether or not they've had booster shots, it probably tells you a little bit of the story. But also, you know, it's still a little bit of a head scratcher to say, well, given what's happening in, in Europe relative to, as you say, some of those states in America with relatively low vaccination rates or who aren't lining up for boosters, you wonder, you know, whether that sort of difference between um, North America and, and Europe is going to be sustainable. Well, these are numbers which are very easy to look at, aren't they? There's so many numbers around today uh, that where you can in- investigate who's getting what where. Uh, and may- maybe we'll also see in the f- in the flash PMIs today, this divergence that we've been talking about for a while now between the US and Europe, uh, it seems to be getting pretty clear cut. Those PMIs will presumably tell that picture even more clearly today. Well, certainly that's the expectation and I've got no reason to disagree with it. So if we look at... Um whether you look at services or manufacturing, we're expecting those market versions in the US to to rise further, so knocking back on the door of, uh, of 60, which are exceptionally strong levels in absolute terms. And in contrast, in the Eurozone, whether you look at Germany, France, the pan-Eurozone, services or manufacturing, they're all expected to be down. Um, we've already got diverging trends between, um, between the Eurozone and the US, and it looks like those numbers today will probably exacerbate that divergence at least. So, you know, in in the world of currencies, it's no surprise that the US dollar can do no wrong here. So it's getting the the support from the relative economic performance of the US. Uh, and now, it, of course, it's got this added kicker from uh, from the lift that we've seen in, in, in rates that, uh, you know, by and large, is, is relating to news of the power reappointment. Yeah. And uh, how well Germany does, of course, depends on how well China does. And we know their economy has been struggling. And the People's Bank of China changed their language, didn't they, in their quarterly money, monetary policy report on Friday, the uh, their the, the attitude towards stimulus, they dropped the line about being careful not to flood the economy with too much stimulus. Uh, they dropped that line, perhaps because they're about to flood the economy with too much stimulus. Who knows? What do you think? It certainly suggests that they're going to be a lot, uh, a lot looser with their with their policy, doesn't it? So, yeah, well, whether it's going to be a lot looser, um, you know, remains to be seen but certainly i'm just catching up with this uh, this statement um, this morning and yes a couple of uh, the way that one has to read these things usually is, is what's not in the statement that was in the statement before and uh, mm. so you know on top of what you said there they, they no longer included the uh, the term sticking with normal monetary policy um, or controlling the valve on money supply as well as you say of uh, not flooding the economy with stimulus so so something seems to be in the works uh, here so you know we've been saying for some time certainly china uh, will probably need to take some measures to at least stabilize the economy um, and certainly you know the economy slowed dramatically but um, they can't allow it to continue to do so in a way that would see for example the unemployment rate rising sharply and and clearly with an eye to having a, a stable economy next year as we head into the uh, the elections for the um, for the the chinese premier and his ambitions to uh, to be president for life um, so but yes it, it's a little bit surprising in timing but uh, and the question would be well what should we expect is it going to be for example another uh, cut to the uh, reserve requirement ratio which um, had been mm. expected before the end of the year but the pboc seemed to be rowing back or are we in, in the prospect of um, of actual rate cuts which um, you know that was as not expected they were going to do anything on this on uh, as early as this year but uh, i think that now comes into the frame as a distinct possibility for the next few months so um, and yes mm. to your point um, you know we don't think that um, the big export 
export uh, driven economies of particularly of Europe, so Germany uh, especially, uh, have yet felt the full brunt of the slowdown that we've seen in China and which is showing up in things like China import PMIs. So um, any signs that uh, China is looking to sort of right the ship or, or indeed give growth a little bit of a boost is, is undoubtedly going to be good news, but it'll take many months before that Absolutely. potentially plays out in far, as far as Europe is concerned. And in this, uh, you know, this, uh, this, this shifting dimension between the US and Europe, somewhere in the middle, I mean, uh, is, uh, is the UK, which is a little less clear cut. I mean, there's, there's certainly a, uh, a lot more uncertainty now over the, the Bank of England and what they're going to do next week, isn't there? And we've got John Haskell, Jonathan Haskell, uh, from the Bank of England, talking on inflation now and then, is the title of his piece, at the uh, Adam Smith Business School in Glasgow today. So that's going to be interesting to listen to. Oh, it is. And, uh, and also, we'll also get the PMIs there. And in terms of talking about the contrast mm. between the US and the Eurozone, the UK you know, looks to be closer to the US than the Eurozone here, with, with strong numbers expected. And most of the, the, the numbers that we've had, whether they've been on sort of activity or inflation since... Um, you know, since the uh, the unreliable boyfriend um, uh, quip that has been levied at uh, Bank of England Governor Bailey after the the failure to raise rates last month, that, that flow is, is certainly militates in favour of them doing something next month. But officials are saying it's it's still a, a going to be a close call. So anything we get today uh, that helps enlighten that view would be will be interesting for for UK markets, no, no doubt. Yeah. Now, New Zealand uh, Q3 retail sales today, uh, big falls are expected there because of the lockdown. We saw a, a big fall in the uh, the Kiwi dollar today as well, I guess, because we've got strength in the US dollar. So that raises the question, why not a similar big fall in the Aussie dollar? And I guess that's because of uh, the news that, you know, well, Australia's open for business. If you've got the right visa, you can come in here and start working again. Well, certainly that seemed to have an impact yesterday. So if I look at the relative performance, as you say, of, of the Kiwi dollar, which I think is by and large is, is a US dollar story. Um, and the Aussie mm-hmm. was, was very resilient. It was actually up during the Asia time zone has only given back um, it's back to where it was on Friday so certainly a bit of a contrast there and there did seem to be a reaction to that news that um, you know international borders will be reopened for um, you know what's it 235,000 overseas visa holidays of which um, sorry visa holders of which um, you know 162,000 foreign students and 57,400 for skilled workers but um, you know we need to caveat a little bit because presumably you know there are still in areas of Australia so South Australia um, uh, Queensland and uh, WA that are probably still the borders are effectively going to be shut but um, um, you know and also you know opening international borders also opens the floodgates for uh, you know for young Australians to go abroad so it's mm. not uh, you know it's not necessarily going to be one-way traffic but um, certainly the announcement did have some impact and, and it, perhaps it does help explain the the relative resilience of the of the Aussie dollar, although we also think a lot of bad news is, is maybe priced in there. But against this backdrop of dollar strength, you have to say that um, you know the path of least resistance for all currencies, um, and including the Aussie, is going to be down. But it's really the euro that is is bearing the brunt of uh, of dollar strength just at the moment, given that uh, the relative contrast of uh, of US versus eurozone economy. By the way, I listened into Radio New Zealand yesterday to try and see what was going on o- over there. Did you know they are eating chickens uh, every day there to try and uh, stop getting COVID? I, at least that's as I understand it. Office workers, I was told, they are having uh, daily chickens to see if they've got COVID. Uh, I think I heard that right. Uh, yeah, what do you reckon? To, I, I, maybe it's something to do with the dialect. Do you reckon? Uh, they were, if if you're they, looking for an intelligent comment from me on that, then um, you're, you're asking the wrong person. I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> do they have to check in for their chicken? Is that Anyway, let's leave it there. Good to talk, Ray. Catch you again next time. Thank you. <laughs>
Cheers, Phil. <laughs> he still doesn't know what I'm talking about, does he? That's it for today. Don't forget, NAB Trade today. Everything goes to charity, so make sure you trade with NAB Trade. I'm Phil Dobby, back with the morning call tomorrow morning. See you then. Have a great day.